You guys see that good-looking guy at the end of that video? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know him. But Hey, friends, good to see you. Uh, good morning. It's so good to, to be with you all, uh, to see familiar faces, uh, but also to, to do two things. Um, for those of you who want to know where we're going for the next 30 minutes, um, I want to just, uh, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to give a quick thank you and an update uh, for CrossNet, and then we're going to open God's Word uh, together. Um, so one of the things I want you to know is we do not, ta- at CrossNet, we do not take partnership lightly. We use that word intentionally. Uh, it is not just you as individuals or you as your church, partnering businesses, churches, and individuals uh, giving of your dollars or giving of your time or resources. Uh, we want you to know that we will be there. So when Corey talked about referring people, our job, our goal is to show up. Um, we truly believe that when we work together, when we're collaborative, we are better together. So first, I want to thank you on behalf of CrossNet, on behalf of our organization, for your generosity your partnership. Um, We would not exist if it wasn't for you. The way we view our work is we are an extension of the church. Um, We are an extension of the church. You guys know what an extension card is. You plug something into it. It allows you to reach further and to stretch further. We're an extension of the amazing work that you are already doing in the community, so thank you. I did want to share just a couple of quick things uh, just to update you. As you saw in the video, the video does a way better job explaining it than what I do. Is CrossNet exists offer help and hope in the name of Jesus by empowering families within the Alenco community. Uh, we have four areas of focus. We call those pillars or programs, youth, social services, community outreach, and food and nutrition. I think I have a couple images just to throw uh, up there so you can see some of the things that we are doing. What I want to do is this. Uh, we are celebrating a few things at CrossNet. Then I want to share with you some of the things that we are seeing in the community and ways that you can be praying The first thing we are celebrating, if you remember in 2022, we were in the middle of a large capital campaign. That was a $3 million capital campaign, um, $1.5 million to purchase a property on Franklin Street, a large warehouse, and an additional $1.5 to renovate that. Friends, thank you for your partnership and generosity. We were able to meet that capital campaign. We purchased the warehouse in January of this year. And hopefully by the end of the year, we'll begin renovations. Um, So we were able to stay right where we were planted on Franklin Street, but be able to grow and expand our our organization and our programs. The other thing we are celebrating is continued growth of our Pathways property. CrossNet owns an eight-unit apartment building on the corner of Main and Brimmer, right around the corner from where we are seated right now. Um, We completed the exterior renovations of that space, renovated two apartments in 2022, and in about a week, um, our third apartment will be done and a family will be moving in. And when I say a family, I'm talking about a family that's experiencing homelessness will be moving into a unit. So you can be praying for this family. It's a single mom that's going to be moving into this apartment. God is good. He continues to be faithful. Some of the things that we are seeing, what are we noticing in the community? Housing is going to be the number one. I would tell if our social workers were standing where I am, they would tell you that the most calls that we receive on a weekly basis are for housing, whether that's affordable housing or those experiencing homelessness. Our June stat for those experiencing homelessness, and I'm talking about in our community, just here in the Alanco community, the Garden Spot School District, 46 individuals, 46 individuals that are doubled up, sleeping in the car, sleeping in the tent, sleeping in the shed in our community where we live, 46 individuals. The next thing um, that continues to be a buzzword, but um, there's a lot of uh, needs there, is continued conversations about mental health. Mental health, if someone in this room works at the school district, they could probably attest to this. There's a significant waiting list within our school for kiddos that are needing counseling. So there is a mental health committee that is formed in the community to see how we can best 
offer resources. Crosstown doesn't have a full-time counselor. We partner with amazing counselors in the community to try to meet that need, but the resources need to be there as well. And this last one might sound silly, um, but I share it everywhere I go because uh, there's a lot of weight there. One of the things we are seeing, one of the needs we are seeing is the need for relationships. People come into our office, call into our office simply to connect, simply to talk. It is not necessarily that they have a financial need or they need food or they need housing. We're disconnected. People need to be safe, cared for, loved, known, and that their story and their life matters. So um, I just want to share with you that that's a need that we are seeing on a consistent, ongoing basis. Ways that you can continue to partner with us is continue to pray. Um, we would love your support. We need your support. Um, consider, volunteer, consider volunteer opportunities at our CrossNet. We like to say we have one-time, short-term, long-term opportunities. Wherever you are, whatever season of life you are in, we believe we have opportunities for you. So friends, I'm excited. That's my cross. That's number one. All right, so you can check that off. Now we're going to get into God's word. I'm excited about this series. One, because I love the, the series. I love the book. I love John Acuff's book. John Acuff's book. Um, I love the idea behind this. So let's pray. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll hop into this. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for waking us up today with mission and purpose to love you, and out of that, we get to love each other. We get to love our community. Um, we get to love those, that, love those that look different than us, think different than us, all because you have called us to into this world to share your name. So guide our time, um, be with this discussion, uh, bless our time. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So soundtracks, right? Soundtracks. So what we understand, what you have been journeying, I think it's 10 weeks, Corey, is that about right? Something like that. Um, what you've been processing, what you've been thinking through is there is science and there's data behind this idea that you and I can change our thoughts, right? We can change the negative, the lies, these thoughts that we have in our minds, and we can replace them with truth. Okay, so what we understand is what we take in, the information we take in, has an effect on our lives, right? It changes us, okay? The soundtracks that we play in our minds that are connected to our hearts, they influence us on a consistent basis. But as a Christ follower, right, it's a little bit different for us because when we replace those lies, we want to replace those lies with truths that are rooted in the Scripture, right? They're rooted in the Scripture. So for the last 10 weeks, you all have been using Luke 6 um, as kind of the backdrop uh, for your series. So we'll look at the screens. I have it on the screens, and we'll just go through this together. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit. A bad tree cannot produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Simple. You understand that, right? Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury, the bank, the vault of their good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what you say flows from what is in your heart. And that gets us to the whole big idea that Corey shared with us a couple of weeks ago, which is on the screens as well. The truth you believe in your heart will produce the fruit you see in your life. The truth you believe in your heart will produce the fruit that you see in your life. So the question we are asking ourselves over these last couple of weeks is, what's the fruit, right? What are the things that we are putting into our lives? What's being spoken over us? What is being spoken to us? What are these things that we are allowing to go in? But as I was processing, I listened to a couple of Corey's messages over the last couple of weeks. I was also processing, processing this, and this isn't profound by any means, but 
other people influence us as well. So not, it might not be the things that we are intentionally ingesting, but it also can be this idea of guilty by association. People have influence over our lives. The people that we surround ourselves influence who we are, the decisions that we make. So this morning, we are going to talk about, uh, I, guess, I guess, Corey, you also use the fruits of the Spirit, right, as a guide. And we're already through all of our fruits of the Spirit, so we're going to give you a bonus fruit, okay? And the fruit we're going to talk about this morning is sacrifice, okay? Sacrifice. And we're going to look at sacrifice through the lens of generosity, the lens of generosity. And we don't often like to talk about the word sacrifice or the idea of sacrifice um, in the church. And a lot of times that is because what does sacrifice mean? Sacrifice means we are giving up of something of value. You and I are sacrificing. We are giving something of value away. We are releasing something. So that's not a fun thing because we don't like to give our things away. So again, when we talk about this idea of sacrifice today, we're going to look through the lens of generosity. This is not a tithing message. Don't close me out. Don't shut me down yet. I'll be honest with you. I am going to ask you to be more generous, though. Does that make sense? I'm not talking about tithing and your percentage. I am going to ask you to evaluate your generosity. I am going to ask you to evaluate that. So when it comes to this idea of our generosity and the resources that you and I have, um, there was an image that immediately came to mind, and I have it for you on the screens. Look at this image. I know most of you, your eyes went right to that really cute baby's face, didn't it? But there's something else in this picture that I want you to understand. Those of us who are parents know what I'm going to say. Look at that grip that that baby has on its parents' fingers. Parents, you know where I'm going with this? This grip would take the world's strongest man to pry that baby's fingers off. You parents, can you raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about? This is serious, right? There's actually a term for this, right? What is, let me find in my notes. This term is Palmer grasp reflex. There's a, my, my wife and I were talking about this. Um, not necessarily, this isn't my kid, if you couldn't tell. But um, <laughs> we were talking about this, and my, I was trying to ask my, I was like, Mary, you have a picture from years ago when, like, my daughter was holding onto uh, my finger, and I could almost pull her whole body weight up, and she would not let go. She wouldn't let go. My friends, when it comes to our resources, me and you, this is often the posture that we have. We do not want to let go. We want to hold on to what is ours. We hold on to it. By nature, right, we understand and we know that we are selfish people. Corey went there last week. He talked about, you know, there are things that he and his wife didn't have to teach his kids. We don't have to teach our kids to be selfish. That is a part of our DNA. It's a part of our nature. We are born with this idea, this desire. Again, those of us who are parents probably remember one of the first 10 words that their kids said was mine, right? <laughs> it was mine. We are born with this in our DNA, in our makeup. So friends, as we talk about sacrifice today, we are going to do what is opposite of that picture, and we are going to have this posture. We are going to learn to release. If you remember nothing from our hour together this morning, we're going to learn this posture. What does it look like for us to release? What does it look like for us to let go? Again, as you walk through the last 10 weeks, Corey um, had this idea that you work through a lie and you work through a truth, and I want to do the same exact thing for one more week with you. So our lie is this. 
I've earned this, therefore it's mine. I've earned this, therefore it's mine. And some of you might be thinking, Carl, that doesn't sound like a lie to me. <laughs> right? We, when we work hard for something, when we, when we put in the time, when we put in the effort, I earned it. Therefore, I get to keep it. It is mine. I understand that. I think most of the world would agree with a statement like this, but the reason I believe it is a lie is because I believe Scripture teaches contrary to this. Scripture teaches different to this. You don't have to turn there, but remember Matthew 19. Okay, remember Matthew 19. I believe this is the most tragic story in all of the New Testament. It's the story of the rich young ruler. And it says this, Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the uh, young man heard this, he went away sad because he was very wealthy. Right? He believed that he earned something, and he wasn't willing to let it go. I believe this is the most tragic because this is a young man who was so close. He wanted it, but wasn't willing to release and to let go. Ananias and Sapphira, another example, Acts 5, right? We have this couple, sold a, some property, and was going to give it to the apostles. It says this, when, with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back a part of the money for himself and brought it, the rest to the apostles' feet. And we know the consequences that happened to that couple. So again, I think... When we look at this, I've earned, therefore it is mine. I believe scripture teaches contrary to this. Um, Corey shared with you my role. I'm the director of development at CrossNet Ministries. So what that means is I oversee community engagement and I ask people for money, okay? CrossNet would not exist if it wasn't for people like you, churches like you, businesses like you that allow our programs to go. So I share what the needs are for our organization. And a lot of times that comes through dollars and generosity. I was talking to a donor a little over a week ago, and I was calling her simply to say thank you for her gift. And I believe the word sacrifice was on my mind. So I, I think I might have said something like, thank you for your sacrificial gift. I can't remember the exact words, but I think I said sacrifice. And she said, Carl, what do you mean? It's not a sacrifice. It's not mine. And I said, what? You just gave Crossnet a lot of money. And she said, Carl, it's not a sacrifice. It's not mine. Because she was already in tune with what our truth is for today. And the truth is this. I am stewarding what is already God's. Think about that in contrast to our lie. I am stewarding what is already God's. That's different it hits us a little bit different, and it's a challenge. Even in my spirit, as I wrestled with this the last couple of weeks, there's something in me that's like, oh, I don't know. But she's right. I am stewarding what already belongs to the Lord. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 9. Um, we'll have this up on the screen. We'll read it together. Again, listen to this agricultural language. Again, Luke 6, which you've already been studying and where we're going today. Rem remember this. A farmer plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with, um, with others. Continued, sorry. As the scripture says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever, for God is the one who provides the seed to the farmer and, the bread, and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase the resources that, and then produce a good harvest out of the generosity in you. Friends, this agricultural theme, we understand this. We understand this idea of pruning and cultivating and planting and growth and fruit and all of that, right? So when we think about this passage, as we think about what we read, this is the picture 
of what living sacrificially looks like. It is when you and I have a predetermined yes to give freely to the Lord. It's a predetermined yes to give to him what is already his. So what we understand is why God loves a cheerful giver. God will provide all that we need. And I don't want you to get this mixed up or to read between any lines here, right? So this does not mean that every Christian is going to be wealthy. It does not say that. But what it does communicate is God is going to supply our needs. It does not say our wants. It says our needs. That doesn't mean we're all going to be rich, but it does mean that God is going to be there for us. And Paul continues the same conversation about generosity and also sacrifice in Romans 12. We're going to keep hitting scriptures. Romans 12. And you know this passage so well already. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifices, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him, right? Sacrifice is connected to worship. Sacrifice is connected to worship. To go deeper, sacrifice is connected to joy as well. Um, don't copy the behavior or customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn God's, and then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So friends, as we think about this idea of sacrifice, it is only reasonable to give ourselves over to the Lord because of what he has done. This is the reasonable reaction for us to think about the cancellation of judgment. When we think about judgment, right, we think of this idea of justification because of the gospel of Jesus, because of the work he has done for us, the way when we get to the throne, we get to heaven, it'll be God looking at us just as if we'd never sinned because of Jesus. That's what justification means. What we understand is worship is also accompanied by sacrifice. Worship is connected and accompanied by sacrifice. So as we think about the Old Covenant, right, when we think about the Old Testament, When we talk about sacrifice, when the Old Testament talks about sacrifice, we were told to make a sacrifice, right? Make a sacrifice. It's a physical action. Make a sacrifice. Then Jesus comes along, and Jesus becomes the sacrifice. So in the New Covenant, the New New Testament is talking about what? Be a sacrifice. There's a difference there. And that's what Paul's talking about in Romans. Be the sacrifice. We are the sacrifice. It's this idea of daily dying to self, every single day becoming that sacrifice. Again, when we die to self daily, that is the only reasonable response we should have as Christ followers because of the work he did on the cross. Paul continues and he implores us uh, and encourages us and tells us that let God transform you. Do not be like the world. Be different than the world, the way they process, the way they think. When it comes to our generosity, when it comes to our resources, right, the world, again, they have that tight grip, that grasp onto what is theirs. They believe everything is mine. So as we look at verse 1, Verse 1 is telling us to give our bodies as a sacrifice. Verse 2, we are beginning to change to give our minds and our will as this sacrifice. And friends, what I believe is when we want to get a glimpse into what God's will is, I think in part it is how we treat other people, how we look after, how we care for other people. We see that all throughout the New Testament. When a person chooses sacrifice, when they choose to sacrifice the preferences of the flesh and chooses to do the will of God, a life of sacrifice can be seen. 
I promise you, friends, when you live sacrificially, people will look at you differently. They will see that there is a change, there is something different than how the world operates. When you pursue the will of God and you pursue sacrificial living, it changes you. So there's a disconnect, right? The disconnect is giving and generosity is extremely close to the heart of God, okay? That's the disconnect. That's what we know. And the disconnect comes when it comes to us, right? We wrestle with that. I know there are people that are, that's like their love language. They do it all the time. But for the most of us, there's, there's tension here, right? Because we are wrestling through this idea of mine and what do we do that? So when we are talking about generosity, all right, there's, there's often three resources that people are talking about. And I have them on the screen, very simply. So what are the resources we're talking about? This is resources that you already know. This isn't profound. Time, extremely valuable resource, right? Extremely valuable resource. The next would be money, Okay, so there's really only three things that you and I can even do with our money, right? We can spend it, we can save it, and we can give it away. So that's one of the resources. Then we also have talents, right? So what do we mean by talents? This is your skills, the information, the knowledge that you have that maybe someone else doesn't. These are the materials. These are those things that you can do and use for good within a community or your sphere of influence. So then... As we think about our resources, I went on to ask a couple of friends of mine why they wrestle with generosity, and they gave me a great list of excuses. I will not say any of their names. Corey was not one of them. Okay, I'm just kidding. He really wasn't. That was just a joke. Um, you probably now think he was one of these people that said it, but I promise you he isn't. So as we think, of, I, I asked a couple of friends, um, and I think these friends, I, they would say that they are generous, but they would tell you that there are times that they wrestle with it again because I think we all wrestle with this idea. So one person said, I don't have enough money. I understand that. I don't have enough money. Another excuse, my money won't make a difference. Interesting. Number three, another person said, I don't have enough time. Again, we're looking at our resources. Fourth, they don't need my help. Have you ever made an assumption that someone doesn't need your help? Interesting. The last one said this, what if something happens and I need that back? So they just said, really just kind of fill in the blank. What if blank happens? What if something happens in my financial situation and I just gave CrossNet money, but I need to fix my tires? Or what if a job situation and I committed to be a volunteer or to be a mentor or something like that? So these are excuses of why you and I, maybe one of these five things resonates with you. Maybe it's one, an excuse that you might have used in the past. And when I wrestle with these excuses to do, but then I begin to process and ask questions a little bit differently. And I think about missed opportunities. So when I hear these excuses, I think about what opportunities are you and I missing when we share these excuses? What opportunities are we missing to be the hands and feet of Jesus? when we share these opportunities, when we don't live sacrificially, when we don't live generously. I'm not trying to sensationalize anything or spiritualize anything, but I think story as story and story, I think biblical stories would tell you when you live sacrificially, when you give generously, you have the potential to change the trajectory of someone's life. I'm not trying to exaggerate or be extreme, but I think there's story after story, life change after life change that would communicate that when we live sacrificially, when we release the resources that we think are ours, that are mine, right, we have the potential to be the hands and feet of Jesus and change the trajectory of someone's life. 
It's beautiful. So where in the world do we go from here? <laughs> How can we take our time, money, and talents and be generous with that? We're going to look at a familiar story. It's one that you know. It's the Good Samaritan. So go ahead and turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. While you're looking that up, um, it's not going to be on the screens this time, but while you're looking that up, you know the context of this story. The Pharisees are connecting with Jesus. They're communicating with Jesus. One of them talks about how in the world do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus asks them a question. They say, love the Lord God with your heart, soul, mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then they ask Jesus, who is my neighbor? And then we have this story. So again, it's a story we already know, but we're going to look at it just quickly through a different lens and specifically focus on verse 30 to 37. And I'll read, hopefully you're there, Luke 10, 30 to 37. Jesus replied to the story, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over, looked at him lying there, but he, was, he also passed by the other side. Then the despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged him. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him into the inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher, I will pay you the next time I'm here. Verse 36. Now, which of these three men would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus said, uh, Jesus asked him, then the man replied, the one who showed mercy. Then Jesus said, you must go and do the same. So again, this idea of who is the neighbor. But friends, as we talk about our resources, I'm sure as you listened and read along, you identified the three resources that we talked about that came into play, correct? Correct, head nods? Okay, you saw them as well. So friends, what resource came up first in our text? I'm asking you to, uh, to respond. Say it again louder. Time. Yeah, so verse 33, okay? Verse 33 says this. Then the spy, the spy Samaritan came along. When he saw the man, he felt compassion. So what did he do? He felt um, helping others, as what we understand, helping others requires a time investment. What we see is that this Samaritan gave up a whole day, a whole day to care, uh, to care for this man. A whole entire day. He gave up his time. All right? What's the next one? What do we see? Compassion. Who said something else? Not money. Not yet. Talents. Okay? Talents. So what do we see? Look at the text. It says he soothed. Soothed the wounds. This doesn't mean that he dabbed the blood off of them and continued. He soothed. That means he was cared. He cared for him. He used skills, knowledge, information that he had to care for this man. This was hands-on ministry, right? This was him being present in the moment, using the information and wisdom he already had to meet a need. I also think about this, right? This says, the text said this person was half dead. I'm sure there was blood everywhere. The Samaritans had blood all over his cloak as he was lifting this man to get him on the donkey. And you're right, money is the last one. In verse 35, we see that there was a financial transaction that took place. Not only were time and talents used, but cost, finances, giving of dollars was also a part of this. Think about it as, this way. There's a phrase that time is money. We know that the Samaritan took a day out of his schedule to care for 
this man? What if the Samaritan was on the way to a business transaction? Also, there's cost and money that was lost there. Beyond that, right, think about the personal, the personal supplies that Samaritan had on hand. He had olive oil and wine on him. He used that. That's all dollar signs being added up. Potentially needing a new garment to purchase, right, after having blood all over himself. The cost of the lodging, not just the two silver coins. And finally, the money that he gave. So when we talk about this idea of lies, and not the lies that we already talked about today, but when it comes to this story, and it comes to our sacrifice and our generosity, I think a lie would ask, what is the minimum amount I can give to get by? I think that's a lie we play in ourselves. What is the minimum amount I can give just to get by, just to seem like I'm a generous person? But truth would ask us, what is the maximum amount that I can give and still be able to take care of my responsibilities? I think this idea of the, not the idea, but this parable of the Good Samaritan helps us process and understand what is the maximum amount I can give and still be able to take care of my responsibilities. I think the story of the Good Samaritan gives us a lot of examples, right? We already talk about who is the neighbor. We know that story. But also I think it gives us this holistic view of sacrifice and generosity. He gave up time, talents, and his resources, his money to meet a physical need. I believe, again, that sacrifice and generosity are linked. Sacrifice and generosity are connected. As I think about just kind of wrapping up our conversation, um, one of the things I love to study is generational diversity. Generational diversity. And generational diversity is this. Right now in our country, and we are in this unique season where there are five living generations. There are probably five living generations in this room. Maturists, baby boomers, Generation X, um, millennials, and then the Gen Z generation. And again, as a fundraiser, I like to process and I like to think about how these generations give? How are they, gener- uh, how do they give money? And this isn't necessary to, to put you in a box. I know as I talk about those generations, you know where you fall in line with that. This isn't to put you in the box. This is what data and studies show. And I just think it's fascinating. Maturists, right? Our oldest generation right now, the maturists tend to give to programs. They give to programs and they give to programs out of loyalty um, based on things that they were familiar with many years ago. Some of the donors that I connect with over at Garden Spot Village talk to me about they are still giving to radio ministries that they were giving to when they were kids, right? So they're giving to programs that they have longevity, a long history with. Uh, boomers, baby boomers, they tend to give to productivity. Their donor decisions are often made purely out of what gives, uh, what gets results, data-driven, analytical, Generation X, they tend to give to people that they believe in and that they trust. Again, Generation X, that's, they call it the latchkey generation, right? That forgotten generation. Millennials, they tend to give out of passions, right? I'm an elder millennial, I like to call myself. They give out of passion, things that they connect with, right? Things that kind of tug on that emotional heartstrings. And then the last generation, Gen Z, the youngest generation, they tend to give to projects, things that have a quick ending Um, uh, or a a quick beginning and a quick ending date. So that would be things like a Habitat for Humanity. I think about even at CrossNet, we did a fundraiser maybe two or three years ago, and it was specifically for our food pantry, and we were partnering with New Holland Coffee. So if you purchased a coffee there, a percentage of that would be given to CrossNet. The demographic studies that we did talked about Gen Z being the highest giving generation. First of all, they like coffee, so they were getting coffee, but also being able to meet a tangible need, a project. 
when it came to fighting food insecurity. Again, my hope isn't that this puts you in a, in a box. It's, it's supposed to, to spur on this idea of how can you be generous with your resources, with your time and your talents? What are those things that connect with you? What are the actions that you and I can take to begin to release? Friends, the, the challenge I have for you is to bring what you already have to God and see what he does with it. Bring what you believe is yours and see what he does with it. Don't allow the excuses that we can fill our minds with, we can fill our time with to limit us, to thwart us from what type of kingdom work can be done. Again, I'm going to throw the lie up on the screen one more time just so we can wrestle with this and understand this. I've earned this, therefore it is mine. Friends, when I read this, I often think of the scarcity mindset. You know what the scarcity mindset is already. The scarcity mindset is we believe, there are people that believe resources are limited. They're limited. That's why we hold on to you, right? Put that cute little baby up there. This is scarcity mindset. I don't know the last time I'm going to get this. That's why I'm holding on. I don't know the last time my parent's finger is going to be there. I need their attention. I need them to care for me. So I'm going to hold on as long as I can. That's scarcity mindset. When you believe that resources are limited. But this is the truth. The truth is this. I am stewarding what is already God's. We call this an abundance mindset. That is when you believe there are an abundant amount of resources out there, okay? An abundant amount of resources. The scripture talks about this too, right? We, we have a God. We serve a father that has cattle on a thousand hills. There are resources out there. We have to be generous. We have to give of them. When we understand that all that we have is already God's, we can give freely. When we practice and work on this posture of release, we can give freely and understand that that's a true sign, a true act of worship. Uh, you guys remember this idea of thread to pull, right? This week, I want to ask you a couple of questions. I want you guys to pull on this thread. Process this with your spouse. Process this with your kiddos. Process this at home as you were thinking and pondering about this idea of sacrifice and generosity. So two questions I have for you. This is going to sound like four questions, but it's really two questions. And I just kind of put two here and two there. You don't need to know that, but that's how I wrote it in my notes. First one is this. What are you holding on to too tightly? Is God calling you to release something and trust him? What are you holding on to too tightly? And is God calling you to release something? Is he calling you to trust him more with your resources? Remember, we talked about in Corinthians, God's going to provide it, okay? He's going to provide it. Number two, how can you practice sacrifice this week? This is a really careful prayer. This is like praying for patience, right? So when you pray, don't ever pray for patience because you're going to get opportunities to practice it. But I want you to think through this, okay? What can you, how can you practice sacrifice? Which one of those resources that we talked about on the screen, okay? Which one of those resources can you be more generous with? Think through those things. Ponder them. Process them. Is there something that you know already as we are engaging in conversation that you hold on too tightly with? Is there something? I was talking to my wife about this as I was preparing um, she already was like, money, it's me. My wife is that person that says no before yes with everything. And that's probably where, why we are where we are today, because of her good stewarding. But for me, it's time. It's time. I wrestle to give 
of time because I know it's a limited resource. But I know, and I'll be honest with you, I know that I've missed opportunities because I've said no. I know that I've missed opportunities to connect with someone or to be present with someone, to hear someone because I was thinking about something, my next appointment, my next conversation, or whatever, you just fill in the blank. I know that I miss opportunities, and I don't want to miss the opportunities that God has for me. So, friends, as we go from this place this morning, think through those questions, uh, just to say them one more time. Um, what are you holding on to tightly? How can you practice sacrifice this week? And what is one resource that you can be more generous with? Thank you for the time. Thank you for the opportunity to share with you about uh, one of your strategic partners in CrossNet, humbled by your generosity already and your partnership. I hope we can continue that um, into the future. And thank you for allowing me to spend some time um, talking about this idea of sacrifice and letting go and what God has for us when it comes to our stewardship and generosity. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the truth that we find in your word. Um, uh, it's humbling. It's humbling to think through the mandates, the commandments, the truth that you give us um, so freely at our fingertips, and uh, I miss it. I'm not going to speak for everyone else and say we, but I know I miss it. We know that giving and generosity and care and compassion is, is a part of your DNA. It's a part of who you are. It's a part of what makes you God. And God, I want to be a better steward of the resources that are already yours. They're not even mine. I'm grateful for the percentage that you, you let me keep because you didn't have to, have to do that. So God, as we think about this idea of sacrifice, as we think about the, the, the sacrificing our, our bodies and dying to self daily, but also sacrificing our minds and our will, to you, I pray that we posture ourselves with open hands to freely give, um, to, to freely say, God, use me. Here's what I have. It's all yours. Multiply it. Grow it for continued kingdom work. So, Father, as we go from this place, give us opportunities. I'm asking that you give us opportunities to practice this on a consistent basis so that we can put these words to action. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. One more excuse to that list came into my mind as we were looking at the story of the Good Samaritan. We can oftentimes separate our generosity into categories. I will do this, and I think, well, if I'm generous in this category over here, time, talents, or money, pick one of them, there's probably one that comes easier for you, and you'll justify, I will justify not being generous in another category because I'm generous in, in this one over here. So generous with my time, so I don't have to be generous with my talents or my money. And when you look at the Good Samaritan, he could have easily made that excuse and said, well, I, I took a day out of my time to take care of this man. It's now somebody else's turn to pitch in and give their talents and their money in order to see this guy back to health. But he gave everything. He gave his time, his talents, and his money. And that's exactly what Christ did for us as well. He didn't hold back. He gave generously, and it's a heart of gratitude when we recognize how much we've been forgiven. We'll rewind a couple chapters in Luke, and there's a woman that comes to Jesus um, who was in sin, who had been in sin, who Jesus had forgiven. And her demonstration was one of generosity. And when questioned about it, what Jesus said was, he who is forgiven little, loves little. The more we understand how much Christ has given to us, 
the more generous we are going to be with our time, our money, and our talents. Would you stand and join us? Run.